Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I'm your host, Nelia Hutt. Thank you again for joining me. And a beautiful new friend I have just met, Deborah Hawkins. Thank you um, for joining us, Deborah. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so glad that we were able to connect. You're awesome. So I'm gonna, I'm excited. I'm gonna, I want to start right away. So I'm just gonna let you guys know a little bit more about my special friend here. So Deborah Hawkins, she has been blogging on gratitude and mindfulness since 2010, posting over 500 reflections on everyday experiences that have elevated her mood and tips on how to keep gratitude top of mind. So important. She's also the author of two books, The Best of No Small Thing, Mindful Meditations, and Practice Gratitude, Transform Your Life, Making the Uplifting Experience of Gratitude Intentional. Love those titles. Beautiful. These books demonstrate a fresh approach to a gratitude practice that is fun, authentic, and confidence boosting. In her early 50s, Deborah started writing reflections on everyday experiences that she could appreciate as a way to lift herself out of depression. And now she's very humble and wants to teach people how to develop their own personal gratitude themes so they can live happier lives. And the reason why I invited Deborah on today, and I'm so happy that she accepted, is because this show is all about getting us to live better, getting us to live happier. You know, life is so short. So if we can help um, depression and our mood through learning about gratitude, do you know how much that would change our life? So I am so excited to have you on here, Deborah. Thank you so much. Where are you tuning in from? I live in Chicago. I've always wanted to go there. <laughs> well, you have a place to say now. If my dog, India, will let you <laughs> take a room. Oh, India, I love that name. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love deep dish pizza, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no shortage of that here. <laughs> so, Deborah, oh, gratitude. What a beautiful thing to, to speak about. Can you please tell us, I know this is probably a question you get asked a lot, but in order for us to understand how this all began, why, so you started in 2010, what made you want to start blogging and talking about gratitude? What was your journey like before that? Like what, what brought you to that day? Um, I really uh, think that gratitude is not only important because um, the research says it's powerful. It really made a big difference in my life. And it really happened slowly. And I think my approach is very different than uh, what is commonly thought of as a gratitude practice. And I think the um, element, my approach of being mindful is very different than keeping track and writing like in a journal, like 15 things that you were happy about that day. You know, which is a wonderful way to start thinking about positives, but it really puts the power on external circumstances. Mm. You're just responding to things that went your way. And I think the power of gratitude is in finding these, knowing yourself so well that you know how to find these things in whatever circumstance you're in. 
not that you're denying, you know, difficulties or challenges, but it all comes from within you. Not because you got a great parking place or because, you know, the waitress served your steak just the way you like it. It just comes from you. Mm. And I think that's really important. And the way I explain that it changed my life um, is very important to understand a little my backstory. So I'll talk a little bit about my childhood. I was the youngest of three daughters and there was like a family drama that I was born into. I had a sister who died before I was born mm. in a car accident. And my mother, of course, was grieving. And she was able to have another daughter, like not too long after the car accident. And then a year later, I came along. Wow. That's I was a lot. like it. I was like the accident. And in some ways, you know, I, I don't blame my mother in that. She was dealing with her own stuff, but she treated my sister that was one year older than me a lot differently than me. Mm -hmm. And um, I used to like be beaten by my sister and I went through some things and my mother was not about to intervene because it was too important to her to maintain the status quo, to um, make my other sister who was one year older feel like, um, okay, that um. <laughs> nothing would bother her. So I learned, came to two conclusions early in life. One, that I wasn't worth very much um. because I certainly wasn't worth being protected by my mother. And the other thing was nobody would ever listen to me because I asked to stop the abuse, but it didn't change. So I grew up not having a very good self-esteem. I grew up trying to please other people to think that would lead to like, some protection and some um, like that people would go to bat for me and some, you know, they would go to bat for me basically. And um, I was often depressed as I grew up. So I didn't have a good career. I didn't have healthy relationships with men. You know, I had friends, but I had like a lot of issues. So I was would go back and forth between doing different jobs. I also had a very creative side that I wasn't, I was a writer, but I wasn't writing enough. It was very hard to take the rejection, I guess, involved in being a writer, which is normal because of the other things I went through Absolutely. and it was very hard. So um, I would go through like different jobs and I had just moved to another city to try to start a new career and it didn't work. And I moved back to Chicago. I had a car accident. I couldn't walk for a couple months. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't go on this way. It was not that I was suicidal, but I just like didn't know how I could live without joy in my life. And um, then I came up with this idea, well, I'll write about small things from my daily life that I could appreciate. And this got me thinking about little positive things that were very accessible to me. It also meant that I was now had a purpose for writing. So it was good that way. And I started writing these little posts and I decided to make a blog of them because it was a wonderful thought that maybe someday I would have people reading what I wrote. So I did this for a while. And after a few years, I read all the posts that I wrote and I said, ah, <laughs> I tended to write about a handful of themes like beauty or belonging or 
humor or you no, know, these were my personal gratitude themes. I came up with 12, so I called them my grateful dozen. And I concluded that everybody has their own personal themes and that gratitude is much easier to step into if people know what really uplifts them, what makes them feel good, what they could uh, feel good about. Mm -hmm. And that enables them to see that in the world that actually is. Wow. That's so beautiful in so many ways. Like, first of all, I could, I'm so sorry that you had that experience, um, especially with somebody that you're supposed to trust and you're supposed to feel safe with. So I, I'm so sorry. I could see the pain when you were telling that story. Um, of course you grew up feeling like that. How could you not? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but wow, look at you. Like you are this amazing woman, like amazing human being. You've come so far despite your, you know, these things that happen, you know, and um, yeah, you're really going to change a lot of people's lives because it's so what you're doing is so important um, to share. It's so hard to talk about these things. And I think that even though we all have different stories, we all have times in our lives where we feel crappy, where we feel people don't love us, where we feel we're not good enough and that perhaps we don't deserve anything different. You know, when you feel like that for so long, it's very hard to start believing in yourself, you know? So when you were saying that you were looking to relationships and different things to feel like you belong and to feel, you know, I think we all do that in a way. So even though, I don't know, I just, I'm so happy to be talking about this stuff because nobody wants to talk about it. Pain is hard. Well, it is, but, um, there's something maybe encouraging I could share, which mm. is just to start from wherever you are. Mm. And all I could do was a very little, like if I could focus on two things every week that I really liked and get into them a little bit more and really understood, understand why I like that or why those things made me feel good. Um, it really gave me something to build on. So uh, as part of my philosophy now, it has become important not to identify what you don't like, what you don't want, because then you're still thinking about that thing. It's like, not this, not this, but you're still thinking about this. So I think it's really important to identify what feels good and set your mind on building on those things and um, paying attention and being mindful every step of the way because there's no perfect answer. Life is a trial and error <laughs> proposition. <laughs> oh no, I got the hiccups now, pardon. But there's so much like in what you were saying, like there's so much I wanna talk about. Um, I love that you, you approach it in a different way, because most of the time when we think of gratitude, we think of writing all the things that, as you put it, went our way. Sometimes, you know, recently I've learned that maybe it's the smaller things that not necessarily happen to you, but that you realize that you may not realize at another time, right? And start writing that. But I'm interested to hear, you know, how you go about this. But sometimes... Like you said, you oh, you almost have to hit rock bottom. Like that day where you said, I just want to feel joy and I can't live my life without feeling that. I think there are a lot of people out there that don't have this gratitude practice. And I think maybe they're resistant to it. But when you get to a point of your life where you have no choice, like you were saying in that time of your life, it's like, I don't want, you've made a decision. I, I can't do this anymore. I want to live differently. And I did the same thing. And I think when you get to that rock bottom part is when you can start this journey, right? So how, when somebody's ready to learn about gratitude, what, 
yeah, tell tell us how you get to you get to this thing. The first thing I recommend is practicing uh, being in the moment. Mm. So it's not that you're going to live that way all the time, but when you notice yourself actually feeling good, you need to stop and ask yourself what's going on here. What are the details of why I'm feeling good? How does this compare to something else? You know, what can I do with this? And the more you understand yourself and what really lifts your spirits, the more you could, um, I believe that gratitude is not about what happens to you. It's about what you recognize you already have. Oh, I love that. It's beautiful. And it's, it's a very different way maybe of looking at things. People like talk about saying please and thank you and being grateful. And again, it's not bad. It's like a good way to think about there are positive things going on. So it's a good thing, but it's not to me, not approaching the power of gratitude. When you realize that you have that power in you, just purely by um, being who you are and noticing that what you are is special, it's like huge. And I tell people that's like an often underlooked um, benefit of being grateful or living from a grateful place. In some ways, living from a grateful place is about celebrating who you are because it's like declaring to yourself at least that what you value really matters because mm -hmm. that's what's behind you feeling good. And when you know that what you feel really and what you value matters, it changes a lot. Mm. Even if people don't let you, like we were talking earlier before we hit record about it being internal, right? And not external. Like we shouldn't expect, people will never praise us the way we need to. We need to do it from ourselves, right? So if you're feeling lost and then you, the end result from being grateful is you want to feel um, that you love yourself and that you're enough and that you're a great person. There's work that has to be done in between, right? It's not and a fast. And very much, but I think the first level is really understanding yourself and what you value mm. and committing yourself to practicing, noticing what makes you feel good. That's a great idea. It sounds simple, but if you don't think about it, you don't know. I think it's a great place to start. Yeah, um, I, I like people say, well, how can you be grateful when there's all these terrible things going on, like the pandemic and people dying or strange politics ago? You're right, there's a lot of challenges in the world. However, and I don't recommend denying those things at all. Mm. I think it's important that people feel sad or people feel their grief or whatever they're feeling. But I think it's important to notice, uh, know that you can also enjoy something at the same time. So even when you're going through something difficult or challenging, there are still things that you can see in your daily life to be happy about. Okay. It's so important what you're saying. It's so important. You know, as you're talking and you're saying that I'm remembering me, you know, and I suppressing feelings for so long and feeling guilty when I forgot and being happy for five minutes or laughing. And I'm like, oh, catch myself laughing. I'm like, how dare I laugh when I'm supposed to be so sad? So I'm so happy that you that you said that, because I think a lot of people will will will, you know, connect with you there. Um, there was a strange thing um, during the pandemic in the earlier stages. I used to watch a TV news show um, on one of the cable networks. And the 
broadcaster, the the woman that would run this little segment called Lives Well Lived. Mm. And she would do it like a five minute, a two minute like special on somebody who died. And I felt like I was grieving with the whole world, like this black teenager in Florida uh, in his white, had his picture up and he was wearing his white prom jacket, tuxedo. And I felt terrible. And yet I was somehow, one of my themes, personal themes for being grateful is belonging. So somehow being in this, witnessing this show with every millions of other people made me feel grateful still mm. that I could like share this and appreciate somebody who was a stranger to me appreciate his life in some way mm. so again this doesn't make things all better but I could still live with some feelings uh, some confidence that there is something worthwhile in all so many aspects of life thank you it's beautiful. So after you're in, once you start to recognize, you know, like, because sometimes I'll catch myself, like I'm supposed to be sad, right? The world tells me I'm supposed to be sad. And because I'm an empath, you know, I'm, <laughs> I have this heart, right? That doesn't stop working. Um, when I feel happy, I'm very happy. When I feel sad, I'm very sad. So when the world tells us we're supposed to feel sad during the pandemic, um, and then, but I catch myself being so grateful for so many things in the pandemic. People think I'm crazy. You know, people were complaining about being home and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, you have more time with your family. Like, how can you change that in your mind? You know? Well, um, the first thing is that your feelings are yours. Mm. You know, th I, that's my view. And I probably didn't spend the early part of my life recognizing that that if I feel sad or feel hurt or whatever, it's they're my feelings. And I could either express them or turn them in into depression. If I can't be angry out outwardly, I would get depressed. But um my feelings are mine. And if somebody else is angry because you're not feeling the way they would want you to or the way they do the way they do they're just looking for validation about their feelings mm. that's like that's their <laughs> that's their bag it's not yours it's so true it's like bullies right it's the same thing happens when people aren't in tune with themselves and they have a lot of work to do and they may not recognize it yet, they put everything on everybody else, right? And they make us feel small and nobody has a right to do that. Nobody has a right to make us feel that way. Um, and I think the, the more we get to know each other, like what you're saying, the stronger we become and the less we care about other people's opinions, which I think is a beautiful thing. You know, as you said, I'm so happy that you're saying it's okay to be sad about something but yet be grateful at the same time that's very healthy i think so and i probably couldn't um hold those two things in my consciousness at once at one time at certain points in my life but i realized because of my philosophy and spiritual leanings that life is like a play mm -hmm. there's like good things in it challenging things happening all the time mm -hmm. and it will always be that way but it's up to us sometimes to choose what we want to give our attention to and you're the playwright so you get to choose <laughs> that's right we we all do we all can choose and it's like not um not to lose compassion or caring about other people right. and extend whatever um, consideration to them and be patient because some people will not get this for a while. Mm. But um, 
I think people will change not so much based on what you tell them to do, but based on how you show them it's affected you. Mm -hmm. So when people see you that are at a more confident state, they'll go, what's she drinking? <laughs> what, <is> she do <laughs> what is she doing? Give me some of that. So it's like, yeah, you know, to be strong, you don't have to be a bully. You don't have to have a military parade. <laughs> you just have to <laughs> have to know what you know. Mm. Yes. And um, that really, people can see that. And being compassionate toward other people doesn't mean you let them walk all over you. It's two completely different things. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's important not to let people walk over them, over you rather. It's really important to learn how to express yourself in a way that's not perpetuating the blame game. Mm. And, um, just the other week, I got a call from a doctor that I quit because he wasn't listening to me. I go, you might be a great expert. You know the symptomology, uh, rather you're, you know the research, you know what is common for everybody, but mm. that doesn't work for me. And no. I never felt you listened to my symptoms. So I think it would be good for your patients. I'm not putting this on uh, an online review. I'm not trying to like upset your career or whatever, but I recommend taking an un being understanding of what your patients go through. For them, it's not about their re your research. It's about their symptoms, what they're actually experiencing. And I told him this and I didn't expect to hear from him at all because he was like a very smart, but arrogant doctor, like yes. do it my way. And um, he didn't actually apologize. He wanted to know, you know, I told him I found another doctor and I told him like what I'm doing. And he asked me whether we were doing something similar to what he prescribed. He was still very attached to him being smart. Yes. He, he said, I will take your feedback into consideration thoughts mm. when I deal with somebody. So even though it was not like an apology for hurting me, that I figured out a proper and non-blaming way to mm express this observation I made and good for you because that could be challenging you know to, to it, speak up it was <laughs> and for many years it was uh, one of my challenges to speak up in general because I was convinced it didn't do any good that your and opinion think, didn't matter and my opinion didn't matter and that's part of what um this phase of my life is about. So I've written these books. I have this theory and I have made myself uh, more even in temperament and more optimistic, but I still am going through trying to feel that I can speak and uh -huh. somebody's listening. And there has been something about being a podcast guest actually now that I have something to say, now yeah. that I have an experience to share that I think can affect other people, there's something about having these conversations that is very healing to me. Mm. Somebody really cares what I have to say. I care about what you have to say. I think you're remarkable. And sometimes I want to say to people, and, you know, <laughs> Every, we all make mistakes and we're all learning every day. And, but one thing that I've learned to do is the opposite of what I used to do. So before, if I felt that I wasn't being listened to, I would shut down, but now, and not in a bullying way, but now when I feel that I actually speak up more. So I become louder and I, I advocate for myself, which I was the last thing I ever thought of doing before. 
And it's very empowering, but you can do it in a kind way. You know, like when you were talking about your doctor, I had a similar experience and I didn't speak up, but I did get another physician, but it was night and day. And my new physician, I actually said to them, you know, I want to say thank you because the more comfortable you make me feel, the more I'm going to be honest about my body and what's happening to me. Because when you're a person that has mental health issues, I was, you know, I wasn't diagnosed with anxiety and depression for a very long time, but because I didn't share. And the physicians that were only there to, you know, to cure things and not really listen to what was happening, they missed that. And so you go untreated sometimes for a long time. But when you find somebody who finds the humanity in being a physician and, and takes that extra step to listening, and it's not just doctors, takes that extra step to listening, and you actually feel comfortable, then I think you get diagnosed a lot quicker too, because, and the help comes faster because you're more comfortable in sharing. Do you know what I mean? Do you agree with that? I do. I think it's not only doctors, but um, also to contracted services yeah. that people really could uh, learn about listening more because they might want to like provide a good solution. They might have their best intentions at heart, but um, they also very often want to do things quickly or they might presuppose what the solution is before everything comes out and sometimes the solution really has to um requires you to learn everything that has to come out over time and it doesn't happen like as a quick fix mm -hmm. so i think that's important we could all listen and if we don't think we understand we need to ask questions to get more clarity because you're not doing anybody any good by saying saving face by pretending like you got it the first time when you really didn't mm -hmm. it, it makes the a solution easier to come to because the all the right information is out but it really um as to protects the relationship because you show respect for the other person needing to express it. It's almost as important as the information itself, that there was actually a two-way communications. Yeah. And sometimes if the person is, is having a hard time communicating and we keep interrupting them, like I, I'm bad at that sometimes, but it's not because I don't want to listen. It's because I get so excited and I forget what I'm going to say, but... I'm trying to become a better listener. So if I do interrupt anybody who comes on here, I'm very sorry. I, I am actively working on this. But I feel like sometimes we also need to listen to what's not being said and watch body language too, right? I definitely think so. I'm really happy you do this as a Zoom conversation because even if you know, 60% of the people listen as a podcast, you know, listen as audio. The fact that I could actually see you and get encouragement from you makes the conversation easier. Oh, and it's not easy for me. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm very introverted. Um, I speak up and I speak a lot about things that I'm passionate about. But besides that, I'm happy. Like I could spend a whole week in solitude and not speak to anybody. I'm quite happy with that and I don't get bored. Um, whereas before I would become lonely, you know, but I'm, I've grown now, um, but I also know the pain of loneliness. So, but anyways, that's another topic. But when I first started doing the podcast, I didn't do video and because I was afraid, I was afraid of how I would look and what my background would be like and None of those things matter. And as you can tell, I'm still not that professional. You know what I mean? But I find that when I started doing the video, it's just, it was easier to talk to people and I could connect with them better. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I love it. 
It's amazing because I don't know. I'm grateful for that, you see. So the first step was like, catch yourself when you're happy and be like, hey, I haven't felt this in a while. What, why am I feeling this, right? What's making me happy in the moment? Because you may not think it could be something so small. Like I was out the other day and I saw like an act of kindness and I was in such a bad mood and it just made me kind of like, my heart just kind of like, you know, and I'm like, I'm feeling happy now, like just from watching something. So I love that you said you have to notice, right? So you can get to know yourself better. So what, what's another thing that we can do to bring us down that, that, you know, that noticing and getting to know ourselves better? I, uh, something I do when I do a workshop is revisit a peak experience. Mm. I recommend people close their eyes and think of a special memory. It could be on vacation. It could be um, time with their family or a special friend. And think of an actual circumstance and then unpack that memory a little bit. So um, to understand what it was about that memory that really lingers so much, why it sticks with you 30 years later. Mm. And like I use an example sometimes, um, I have a pet and um, a lot of people have pets, but um, the reason having a pet might be a source of gratitude for me could be different than what, why it might be a source of gratitude for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So to go into this, whether the peak experience is about my pet or just that I have a pet, but go into like a memory or a thought about something that makes you feel good. And um, if I take the example of having a pet, I could say, well, the pet makes me feel good because it's about being physically close. And I live alone and that's really could be an important thing. Or it could be like getting permission from this pet to be spontaneous and to play. So it could be like a lot of different things. It could be having routine, which I might not do if there wasn't somebody else in my household. That's that so required, true. That required this. So if I go into my thinking a little bit more about, well, this is a truth. I'm grateful for this. Why am I grateful for this? And really understand that it puts things, to me, it suggests broad themes mm. that you could actually apply to other situations. So um, feeling like physical closeness or touch mm. or feeling like you have a loyal companion or feeling like um, somebody's counting on you. You have a routine or that somebody is counting on you. It doesn't just apply to your pet. Mm. It could apply in all sorts of situations. So when I talk about like being in the course of life, being at the store or in the park or driving, and I say, how are any, I'll ask myself, how are any of my gratitude themes showing up here? And I say, oh, I'm fulfilling an errand for somebody. I'm doing a routine. I can feel good about that. Or I might say, um, I'm shopping for um, something that is like an indulgence for me. <laughs> and maybe that's a theme of mine. So I could actually notice that if I take these broad themes that my memory, memories or my self-awareness suggests and really analyze them and crystallize them into broadly applicable themes. I'm equipped to find gratitude in more places mm. because, and it's genuine to me. It's not suggested by my mother or my pastor or somebody or my teacher or best friend. It comes from my own experience. And I think that's very powerful. So if I know what my themes are, if you know what you're looking for, it becomes so much easier to see them. Oh, I love that. You know, it sounds like you're saying you have to connect with the feeling, not the action. 
That's, uh, that's probably true. Um, to connect to the feeling and... So like if I'm going on a vacation, if, you're, if I'm thinking back to a time, like I have this moment when I went on this trip to the Mediterranean and it's in my book. And it wasn't the fact that I was in the Mediterranean and it wasn't the fact that I was on a ship sitting down. It was the fact that it was six in the morning. I was completely alone on a ship, felt like I was alone where it would normally be like 3000 people on this ship. Everybody was still sleeping. I was up, the sun was coming up. I was writing in my journal and I felt this moment of peace. I remember this like it was yesterday. So when I think of that, I don't, I'm not gonna think, oh, I was on vacation doing this, this and that. I'm gonna think of the feeling that I felt and how good it made me feel. I think that's um, wonderful. And I think you might even go into that experience a little more to possibly uncover other themes that you journal every day. Why did this day feel especially, why did it stick in your memory? So I think the and I fact think that I you were going on yeah. a, um, an adventure, you didn't know what was uh, going to happen to you exactly. Like you had an itinerary, but you had a spirit of adventure at the time. Are you yes. maybe invested in something that you might have been normally cheap to yourself about and you decided to go on vacation anyway and these you know I don't know the actual circumstances but you could go into this memory a little more it obviously it's affected funny. you a lot it's and, funny mm -hmm. sorry and I'm this, listening to you and it's like you're talking my language and if you like go into this, especially if you journal and if you unpack this, you could really identify a few things that probably made this stick with you this long. And if you could think of how you might express those things as a, a, a two or three words, which I consider a theme, I'm not making a big story about it. It's like you could see that in other situations. And that's so no, wonderful if you know like six themes you have where you have felt grateful. And I bet you that you probably have other situations in your life that you have wonderful memories that were similar gratitude buttons. I love what you're teaching because you're saying why were those moments like as you were talking I'm thinking what was it and I and I figured it out you've helped me figure that out today so thank you can I can I share what I've discovered in, in, in I'm curious. so very happy it makes sense to yeah so I always wanted to journal but never took the time to do it because I never took the time for me so the fact that I was sitting there, like this was just before I started my business. And this was one of the big moments that I decided that I was worth more. And I started to come out of my depression was this day on this ship in that moment. And it's because I gave myself the time. My family was sleeping. I didn't need to worry about my husband, my son. I didn't need to worry about anything that was going on. I felt free for the first time in a long time. And even though I was writing, I had wanted to write for like six months, but never gave myself the time. So that's part of it too, you know, is, is make like, just feeling that you're important enough to take that time, I guess. So I'm realizing that that is huge for me because that put me on a journey of starting what I'm doing now. You know, it was right around that time. One of my um, themes is self-appreciation. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really important to me because for most of my life, I didn't think about being kind to myself. And when I demonstrate taking myself into consideration that I have certain feelings and my feelings are important, when I treat my own feelings as being important, I want to recognize that. And those little moments when I do recognize that is something I'm grateful for. 
What a beautiful thing. Oh, if we could all just learn to feel that way about ourselves. Sometimes we're, the, we're our hardest enemies and we're the toughest and it's not our fault. Sometimes this was taught to us, you know, either we had too much of something or not enough of something that, you know, we're created by our experiences and the way we grow up and yeah. I, I sometimes use, because I have a, a writing and reading background, I sometimes use the analogy of reading a story that doesn't have a very reliable narrator. So when we were children, we, our story was determined by our parents, our family, or our classmates, and maybe they weren't the best narrators <laughs> because wow, they didn't understand so things. They didn't understand things or they were just concerned with themselves at a certain time and we didn't understand well they were having a bad patch or whatever so it was very difficult so we um interpreted our life from a bad narrator <laughs> and it's like we don't have to think that we don't have to conclude that what they say is true Absolutely. Some people might say they're too busy for gratitude. Do you think this is absolutely something you have to make time for? Well, um, there was um, a Benedictine monk called David, uh, I think he's still alive actually, David Steindl Rast, and he did a TED talk that was pretty famous back in 2013 or 2014. He also did an Oprah interview. He said, if you want to be happy, be grateful. Mm. So uh, I think it's, I don't want to, you know, threaten somebody, be grateful or else these bad things are going to happen to you. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But I will go out on a limb and say, most people want to be happy. Hmm. And happiness is kind of elusive. It's kind of hard to be sure you're really there. Or we think of happiness as a blissed out moment and we're, we ruin it because we're afraid we're going to lose it. Hmm. There's so Happiness is so loaded. So I think of being happy as being able to go back to a state of gratitude all the time. So beautiful. I think that's like contentment. It's something within my control is to go back to this state of being grateful. Because you don't think about losing it. <laughs> if there's something that makes you happy or something that you're grateful for in the moment, it doesn't mean you can't be grateful for something else five minutes from now mm -hmm. it's like you can't lose it you can't lose once you know how to get there you can't lose the path no thank you for that for sure happiness is such an internal thing you know and it's funny because you can almost predict when you see people laughing and just being overly happy that it's not real like it's just you can almost predict that that person is really hurting and they're trying to cover it up because nobody is happy all the time. And I think that that's important for us not to strive for that, you know, but to have like this peace and calm in your own body. I think it's just, it's such a beautiful thing. And I think we should all strive to have that feeling. I think, um, Happiness is um, high as a point of feeling bliss is wonderful when it happens because it gives you a little a perspective. It gives you a frame of reference, mm. like that you could actually handle all this joy. That's wonderful to know that you could experience this, but it's like, there's nothing like, being confident 
Mm. It, you could um, maintain a good positive mood most of the time that you have something to share mm -hmm. and that other people care about you. It's mm. so great. Pretty simple. Oh, where can we find your books? They sound like they're amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, the Best of No Small Thing is basically a collection of some of my favorite blog posts from the first 10 years of blogging. And um, Practice Gratitude, Transform Your Life is a little workbook on the process. Um, on my website, there's a link to the books and more explanation about them. They're only available from online retailers because they self-published. I didn't, don't have a big distribution network or whatever. So they it's not only Amazon, <laughs> but yes. anybody where you could get online books online, you could buy the, these books. Great. You could also click through from my website. I also encourage people to go to nosmallthing.net and you could read a couple of my blogs for nothing. <laughs> I think they're beautiful. I've, I've visited and it's great. And get an idea of what I try to do and how I try to practice. And I don't want to really tell people what to do. I just tell them what I've done and provide examples of how I do my journaling and what it means to me. So I think that's wonderful. I'm also giving a free talk this month on writing a love letter to yourself. Um, information is on the website on my calendar page and I'm doing helium for your heart classes which is a two session class on what I refer to as intentional gratitude so the first class is about um, understanding how to develop your own themes and in the second session we just look at a lot of slides I say, if you know four or six themes of yours, let's look at these slides and see how you might be grateful in this situation. Sounds very helpful, very hands-on. I love that. So I know I was looking at your website. It's beautiful. I love it. Everything is on there. Now, how has gratitude, like how much has practicing gratitude helped you with your depression and like where are you now oh it's <laughs> it's really changed me quite a bit because and it still is continuing to change me like i talked about like how important it is to speak out so it takes a while it takes some evidence it takes being mindful it takes noticing that people are okay with it if i say i don't like this you know if i adjust my boundaries or what i like and don't like i have to go through feeling okay about this and building on it but um i feel much more able to express how i feel i feel much more able to I'm much more resilient. So mm -hmm. if I get depressed, which I do, mm -hmm. I feel more able to find something internally, not just distraction to bring me up again. So I think it's really important. And um, I have two journaling practices now. One is I write uh, five ways that I want to acknowledge myself for mm. from the day before, because I think it's important to know myself that I'm worthwhile. And the other thing I'm doing just started recently is writing down feeling encouraged. Mm. And it's wonderful to think about that the world is not against you. <laughs> <laughs> That um, little thing is like they didn't run out of the thing you ordered at McDonald's or whatever. It could be a little thing, but to take note of little things that are still feeling encouraging mm. is 
keeps giving you, giving me anyway, hope about things. You know, if we only celebrate the big things, we'll be depressed a lot because those big things, they don't come very often. You know, we're always looking for the next best thing around the corner. And then when we reach that, we're looking, it's not good enough. And we keep going and keep going, keep going. I think that's one of the reasons it's so great because you can always find, no matter how bad your day is, it could be challenging, but, and you'll get better at it, but you know, maybe the first few days you won't be able to, you can't think of something, but the more you practice it, I'm assuming the better you get at it. And what a gift that is. I want to actually make a point of the word practice because I think of practice in a very different way, like than Western thought that if you practice something, you it's for mastery. It's in order to get better at something. To me, practice is just about showing up for yourself. So if you practice gratitude, you're just putting the intention out that you will be looking for things that lift your spirits and things you could appreciate. It's not with intention that I try to get better at this. It does become easier the more I do it, but I'm not trying to like be perfect at something. Right. I just want to show up for myself. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's that's great. I love that that way of thinking. Thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna quote you on a couple of things, you know, as we've been talking. I've been writing down a couple of little scribbles and um, with the timestamp, because there's some things I want to quote you on. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. You know, I love this so much. Um, sometimes I ask, I ask my guests, you know, when we're getting close to ending the interview, and I want to ask you this question. Um, what would you say is the biggest gift you have ever, ever given to yourself or invested in yourself? Um, that changed ultimately the way you felt about who you are? Oh, wow. Um, I think one of the gifts, I don't know, the word biggest is really, there's a lot of pressure on that. Yes. So I don't know if I could really answer as the biggest or the most. Or an impactful. The most impactful. But I will say... um, investing in putting these books together and having them published was um, an important step for me to say, oh, I have something that could be worthwhile. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I know I just met you, but you absolutely do. Like, your message is beautiful and, and you explain it so well where we can feel you know, your journey as well. So thank you so much for sharing your personal story and showing us how um, things are now so we can see the transformation. You know, it, it's difficult sometimes to, to talk about certain things, but then when you've gone through them, all you want to do is help other people, right? And I can see that with you, that you're really genuine about that. So thank you for coming and talking to us uh, about this. I think it's going to really help you know, nobody, nobody knows what they're doing in this life. We all just need to give each other some tips and some suggestions. <laughs> it's really very inspiring lately. Part of the um, no one will ever listen to me syndrome was um, enhanced by the opinion that you have to get a master's degree or you have to be a therapist or you have to do certain um have certain credentials and it's like my brain works pretty good (laughs) i could figure things out and there are are other people like me Mm -hmm. who just want to um, share what they've learned and it's really um an interesting time we live in relative to technology and media and ways to get messages out that um, I'd like to think that it's not that 
important. It's not everything that I don't have a PhD, mm -hmm. but I have something that maybe somebody could use. Yeah, it's so true. You know, you know, I've said before on this show, and I'll say it again, I would rather, you know, go see if I had to go for therapy, I would rather see somebody who was smart, but had the experience, personal experience, who has been through pain, than somebody who is brilliant with all the credentials who has no idea what it feels like to be me. Yeah, I don't want right. I don't want to like just people who no, have, no, and I'm not trying to do that. Doctor, but um, I, feeling that somebody could empathize with me does yes. matter. Yes, that's a great way to say it. I think absolutely. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to get out here today to the listeners? No, but if you come to Chicago, I'll take you out for pizza. Oh, that's awesome! I always wanted to go to Chicago. I might take you up on that. That's so kind. Thank you. Don't come in the winter. Wait till the summer. I know. I'm in. I'm just north of Toronto, and it's so cold here right now. It's like minus thirty. It's like so cold. But thank you, Deborah, again, and it was so lovely to meet you. Thanks for helping all of us, and I'm sure there are people out there that are listening to this that are think you know if they that say, I'm going to try this for myself, but I'm also going to maybe share this with my sister who is also feeling, you know, maybe I can help her or share this with more people so that, you know, cause maybe you can take something away, but some, you know, a friend of yours is needing the same message and they can take something else away from it. Right. Definitely. And just like pay attention. I want to tell everybody, pay attention to your life to how you feel and that's so important you can like choose feeling good there's another quote right there you can choose feeling good with deborah i love it i love it so much i'm gonna quote you so much on this episode <laughs> thank you for tuning in to this week's episode if you enjoyed what you heard please subscribe or leave a review See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.